Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. And then in verse 14, Now therefore revere the Lord, and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. Now, if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight. He protected us along all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for He is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then He will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve Him. And they said, We are witnesses. He said, Then put away the foreign gods that are among you, and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and Him we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and made statutes and ordinances for them at Shechem. This is the word of God for the people of God. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible because it contains that verse of Joshua making that public declaration for him and his household, they're going to serve the Lord. He makes it so clear. He boils it down to such a clear choice. Will you choose to serve the Lord your God or not? And sometimes it's so helpful in the face of overwhelming problems and perplexing situations in the world to come back to this where Joshua makes it so clear about there is a choice that you can make. You can choose to serve God or not. And yet when we look at so many of the issues that face us today, it seems just overwhelming to figure out what to do when so many problems are global in their scale. We can think of things like immigration. On the one hand, you can say, well, people have come here illegally, and so we ought to send them home. And yet, we find that in conflict with other values we hold about family, because we know some of the people that are here did not 
choose to come. They were brought as children or they were born here. So if they're born here, they're citizens. So to send their parents back then separates the family. And that goes against other values we hold about love and care and support of families. Or there's a further issue in terms of how do we figure out of all the people who would like to come to our country, how many can come each year and from where and by what criteria? How do we decide such complicated issues? There's so many differences of opinion that sometimes it can just paralyze us. But it's not only immigration. You could take something like gun violence. We're a country who has prized the freedom to carry firearms. And yet now we find ourselves in a situation where every month we hear on the news of a mass shooting. And actually it's worse than that. As I was reading some of the coverage of the most recent shooting this week and it was giving statistics. It said some organizations who track these things. And define a mass shooting as injuring or killing four or more people that actually in this calendar year we have averaged one shooting like that every day. I was stunned. It's so difficult sometimes to come up with a solution that responds to these two things of trying to protect life and liberty, and we're not sure which way to go. And it confounds us in terms of how to apply our faith and how people of faith should respond. But it's not only those two issues. I mean, we could choose from a smorgasbord of others. We could look at taxes and government spending. We could look at terrorism, for example. We could look at race relations. Any one of those, if we take it on in all of its complexity, we could find ourselves in an exhausted state trying to determine how to move forward. And so sometimes it's refreshing to have a text like we do today from Joshua that reminds us of the importance of going back to the basics to reaffirm our core commitment to serve the Lord. Joshua says we will serve the Lord. But we have this story, you see, only because he knows he has people and leaders who are not doing that. I mean, this story makes no sense if everybody was already committed and living faithfully. It's only because he knows he has people and apparently leaders whom he's called together to remind them about their commitments. Oh, they have a lot of experience with this idea of making a commitment to serve the one true Lord. Generations now of Israelites have made that commitment. And yet Joshua is still struggling to remind them to stay focused on that. You can hear that this is still a problem in verse 14. Joshua is speaking and says, Now therefore revere the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. But then this. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Obviously, some of them 
are not being faithful in their commitments. They're not being loyal to the covenant which they've made with God. It's so easy to think about biblical people and biblical communities as being pure, but they, just like us, struggle with faithfulness to and focus on serving the Lord. They find that they're being drawn away with these competing claims of other gods. I began to wonder, are they that different than us? Do you not experience competing claims as you consider your commitments on time and resources? I had an experience that helped me see this just this week. I received a beautiful card in the mail from an organization that Mary and I support. We send money every year. We participate in their activities. We agree that they're doing good work in the community. So I saw the card. It was a plea for another financial gift. So I had to start thinking about our commitments to other charitable organizations. A vast majority of our time and resources are spent right here. But we support several other groups in the city doing good work. So could we do a little more for them? But then I realized another thing. I began to think about the events they do during the year. And when we were last there, when we last attended... And I realize it's been nearly a year. Now, we've made a commitment to support them, and I know they appreciate the funds, but you can look at our attendance, and you realize that our greatest loyalty lies elsewhere. Do you see how competing claims can draw us away from our stated commitments I mean, we committed to support them. We meant to be there. But in reality, we have not participated as we had said we wanted to. But it's not just that kind of organization. Churches see the same thing. We lose some every year. Mostly unintentionally, people who drift away. We see it in our Sunday school and our worship services. People who were here last year who are no longer here. They've been drawn away by other claims. They've made decisions, maybe unintentionally, that left them absent. No longer supporting or participating. Our text reminds us of the great importance of being intentional about our commitments, especially this core commitment to serve the Lord. In chapter 15, in this chapter, 24, 15 times, the verb is used to serve. In just a couple of verses, in these key verses of verse 14 and 15, seven times, it says to serve. Let me read it to you again. Now, therefore, revere the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now, if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua is making a public declaration 
He's making a public commitment that he's going to serve God, that he's going to remain true to the covenant. He's making a public commitment to his God and asking the people to do the same. I find it inspiring every time I read it that he's willing to stand up and say, this is what we're going to do and invites all the others to move with him. It's probably why I find it so moving on Holy Communion Sundays when you are invited to come forward to the altar, kneel at the altar rail to participate in Holy Communion. It's such a visible way to see this public commitment this renewal of our covenant with God that we're all making when we come forward and kneel here at the table and commune with God through Christ and with one another. It's probably the same reason I find our Stewardship Sunday, our Pledge Sunday, like we had a few weeks ago, so important. I find myself being so moved when the pastors move down to the altar railing holding the boxes and you all one by one come and bring your pledge card and drop it in the box as you come forward to the altar of God making a commitment to say I'm committed to the mission and ministry of this church and what God is doing through us. I want to be a part of it. I'm going to do my part. Here's my commitment. I find the same thing when I'm making calls and contacts of people who are visiting the church and thinking about joining. I ask them if they're willing to come in front of a large group of people to come at the end of the service so that others can see you because I know it renews our commitment, those of us who are already here, but it also might stir someone who's considering to make that commitment. And they see one and then another, then another, and they say, oh, I can do that. God is calling me. I will step out in faith. It makes such a difference in our life together. Their public profession of faith encourages us all. Now, we do it in large groups, but John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, organized people into smaller groups. In the early days of Methodism, most of those commitments happened in small groups, and that still happens here today as well. Sometimes people make their faith commitments public, but in a smaller group. This week, I was with a group of about 15 in our Disciple One Bible study, and a young woman who's been coming to church here for some time had enrolled in the Bible study. She told me this week, I'm ready to make my public commitment of faith. Can I do it with my Disciple Bible study group? I said, of course. And so at the end of class, we all stood, and she came forward, and I asked her the questions, and she professed she was ready to live out her faith commitment here with us. And the class supported her and witnessed that statement and rejoiced with her and welcomed her into our family of faith. Public commitments strengthen us all. It's so important to our life of faith and growth together as a community. I was thinking about the power of public commitments as I was reading over and over this text this week. And I remembered an experience from my childhood when I got to see the movie Spartacus. It was made in 1960, but re-released in 1967. You might remember it. It starred Kirk Douglas. It won a few Academy Awards. But it was about this character Spartacus, who was a slave in the Roman Empire a century before Christ. He'd been enslaved his whole life. And at one point, he had opportunity to escape and rebel. And so he did. And as he left, so did some other slaves following him, and they broke and went into the countryside. 
And they began to release other slaves from other houses and farms and places. They went along. Their numbers grew and grew. Of course, the Romans began to track them down. But they had released enough slaves that it became a revolt. And when the first few armies of the Romans came to attack them, they were able to repel the attack and win the battle. They continued to travel across the country attempting to escape and leave Italy. But before they could get away, the Roman Empire brought their armies to the fore and surrounded them and trapped them and enslaved them and put them in chains once again. And the commander of the Roman army came before them as they were seated on a hill and said, you all deserve death by crucifixion according to our laws. But we will spare you all if you will identify from your group the man Spartacus. And as he thought about it, he knew he needed to stand and identify himself to save all the others. So as he prepared to stand up and say, I'm Spartacus, just before he could speak, the man right next to him stood up and said, I'm Spartacus. And then another one stood up and said, I'm Spartacus. And then another one, I'm Spartacus, till the hillside was filled with all the slaves standing, yelling, I'm Spartacus. They were united. They were together in their commitments they were ready to make a public profession of who they wanted to be. Joshua, in our passage today, stands before the people and says, For me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And the people respond, We will serve the Lord. The Lord our God, we will serve. And Him we will obey. Amen.